How's everyone doing this morning? Are you glad you're in church? Is Jesus on the throne? We will not be shaken. Amen. So I had something stirring on my heart this morning. It's called, Can These Bones Live? So we're going to get into some stuff this morning. Uh, But first we want to take a look at a quick little picture. (laughs) See the poor little guy curled up in the fetal position on the bed? This is me after watching the news. This world scares me. (laughs) Anybody ever feel like that after you watch the news? We're going to talk this morning about uh, kind of what's going on in our nation, but we're going to talk about it from a stance of hope, (laughs) from a stance of victory, from a stance of what does God have to say about this, and we're going to really talk about praying for our leaders, praying for our nations. We're living in some very, very, very interesting times. Anybody agree? Uh, Watching the news can, for some, be quite scary. (laughs) But for us, what the Bible says is, when you see darkness prevailing, you can look up and rejoice. Because our redemption draws nigh, and guess what? The darkness will never overpower the light. And so we're going to keep all these things in mind as we go in today. We're going to stir ourselves up about what the Word has to say about the days that we're living in and what we are supposed to be doing in this time. In 1 Timothy 1.18, this is Timothy's, Timothy wrote this, I think, in between his imprisonment. So he'd already been put into prison, uh, and he'd been released, and it was before his final imprisonment where he was martyred. But in 1 Timothy 1.18, he says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. So this is kind of Paul's introduction to Timothy. I'm, I'm getting ready to tell you some things. These are my instructions for you. These are going to help you. You need to remember these things as you lead the church and as you live in the days that you're living in. And then in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5, he begins his instructions. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Everyone say, first of all. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Not last, not when you're afraid, not when you're desperate. First of all, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. First of all, First of all, pray for all men and for kings and for all who are in authority. First of all. Romans 13.1 says everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority 
is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 16. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Another translation says, fear God and honor the king. Well, surely Paul didn't know who was going to be our president in 2015. (laughs) Hello. Except for an America in 2015. Say that in there anywhere? Okay. (laughs) That word honor means to fix value upon. Can I say it doesn't say to honor the position of king? It doesn't say to honor the office of king? It says to honor the king the person that is sitting as king. Well, (laughs) how does he possibly think we're going to do that now? Doesn't he know what all is happening now? How in the world are we supposed to do this? How in the world are we supposed to live this? How could they write this? Paul and Peter, when they were writing their epistles, were under the reign of a person named Nero. Has anybody heard of such such Caesar? (laughs) He was a depraved individual. He killed his wife. He killed most of his family. He was the Caesar to whom Paul appealed. Remember in Acts, when he was talking with King Agrippa and he wasn't getting anywhere, he's like, I appeal to Caesar. He appealed to Nero, the man Nero, the depraved individual that was the king of that time. He blamed the Christians for setting fire to Rome, which was something that he did because he wanted to build it bigger and better and more beautiful. So he set his own city on fire, blamed the Christians, which was a cause of an intense persecution against the church at that time. He had Christians arrested and thrown in jail, which was minor. He had them crucified. He had them clothed in hides of beasts. And then they were released in the stadium. Dogs were released. And then the dogs tore them apart because they were coming after that blood from the hide of the beast. And that's how he killed some of them. And guess what? People watched it happen. You think we're living in dark days? I think they knew something about dark days. He hung Christians up on poles in his garden and lit them on fire and used them as torches to light the night. This is who Paul said, honor. This is who Paul said, submit to. This is who Paul said, pray for. So I think 
Paul knew what he was talking about. <laughs> he knew how, what evil looked like in a leader. And he knew what darkness looked like in a nation. But how could they possibly write these things about this man? How could they even live like this? Well, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I don't know that flesh would ever <laughs> come up with that on itself. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and with remembrance of a few things, Peter heard Jesus say from his own lips, bless those who curse you, do good to those who persecute you and despitefully use you. He heard those things come straight from Jesus' mouth. He watched Jesus be crucified by a wicked government. He knew, both of them knew what Daniel 2, 20 through 23 said. Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you. He controls the course of world events. He tears down kings and sets up others. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were removed from... Israel, taken into captivity in Babylon. Say heathen nation. They served a heathen king. Daniel was called a magician, and he let them call him a magician. They named, or the, Nebuchadnezzar named him after one of his gods, and he let them call him that. He was under heathen reign. But he knew, God, you set up kings. You can tear them down. You can set them up. You know, Daniel served under nine or ten different rulers. Kings would come and go. But the man of God was there to influence them. Right? Paul and Peter knew Daniel. They knew that God sets up kings. They knew that God has a plan. Proverbs 21.1. Paul and Peter could say that and live that because they knew what that said. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as are the watercourses, and he turns it whichever way he wills. John 19.10 says, I don't think this is on the screen, but they witnessed, Peter witnessed Jesus when he was standing trial before Pilate. Pilate said, why aren't you saying anything in your own defense? Why aren't you trying to defend yourself? Why won't you say anything? Don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus looked him right in the eye and said, you don't have any power that wasn't given to you by God. Respect the king, honor the king, submit to the ruling authorities. The power that they've been given was given to them by? Okay, laying the foundation here. So let's show our little... Little guy again. <laughs> so how many of you would look at this guy and say, he's full of hope and victory and authority? <laughs> There's a couple different ways, and we're going to talk about praying for kings and all who are in authority. It's not a teaching necessarily of how to, but what attitude from which we need to pray. 
If this is how you feel after you're watching the news, you might need to turn it off for a while. Just saying. <laughs> Told the wrong place in your thought life. But a lot, sadly, this is how a lot of the church reacts to what's going on in this earth. Ooh, those Supreme Court decisions. Oh, oh ISIS. Oh. <laughs> they just go shaking and shivering in their room and they just never want to leave the house. But that's not the position that God has given us. And then you have the other extreme where the righteous indignation comes up, right? And then you tell everybody all about it on Facebook. (laughs) I'll let them have a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell them exactly what this says on Facebook. You know, sometimes I think if we would take a minute and first of all, Before we write on Facebook, we wouldn't write half the stuff we put on Facebook. But we don't want to be this guy. There's no hope in this person at all. And hope is what drives prayer. If you have no hope that what you're going to pray for is going to be answered, you're never going to pray. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Hope drives prayer. So if watching the news or listening to what's going on in the world makes you want to crawl into a fetal position on your bed, we need to start looking at something other than what the enemy is saying. Say, light is more powerful than darkness. (laughs) We need to keep the right perspective. I want to read Isaiah 51, 9 through 16. I know we're reading a lot of verses this morning, but this is going to stir us up. Put us in the right position where God intended us to be. Wake up, wake up, O Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Flex your mighty right arm. Rouse yourself as in the days of old. When you slew Egypt, the dragon of the Nile, are you not the same today? The one who dried up the sea, making a path of escape through the depths so that your people could cross over. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. Now he's writing to the people in captivity. They're living captive by a heathen nation. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting glory. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? Yet you have forgotten the Lord, your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. Will you remain in constant dread of human oppressors? Will you continue to fear the anger of your enemies? Where is their fury and anger now? It is gone. Soon all you captives will be released. Imprisonment, starvation, and death will not be your fate. For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea, causing its waves to roar. My name is the Lord of heaven's armies, and I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. I am the one who says to Israel, you are my people. Why are you afraid of mere humans 
you have forgotten the Lord, your creator. Fear is forgetting God. If you want to crawl into a fetal position after you watch the news, it's because you're comparing what's going on in this world to your power. It's because you're comparing what's happening to what you can do about it. But if you're watching the news and looking at God's power and what he can do about it, there is not going to be any fear. I watch the news sometimes, especially when there's big breaking news. You know what my first thought is? We need a revival, Holy Spirit fire. We need a revival. You know, some of these things that are so newsworthy right now will not be an issue when the hearts of man are changed. So scared of the Supreme Court decision, well, get on your knees and start praying for a revival, right? There will be no same-sex marriage if God gets a hold of the heart. You can't judiciate morality. But the love of God coming into someone's heart will change it forever. Are we together on this? Can God change anybody's heart? Or do we just want to get on Facebook and debate about what the Bible says about it? What carries more power? A Facebook post or are you on your knees praying about what's going on in this earth? Releasing the power of God in this earth. Isn't that what prayer is? Prayer releases the power of God in this earth. It releases the power of God in this earth. And if you don't have the hope of that, and if you don't have the knowledge of that, you're not going to pray. And guess what? The enemy wins by default. When the church isn't praying, when the church isn't speaking, when the church isn't taking her part, well, Pastor Tony, I have to obey God and not man. I have to say what's right. You do. We do. We have to obey God rather than man. But what does God say? For 1 Timothy 2. First of all, go to Facebook. No. Thank God. First of all, release my power in this earth and watch me move. Oh, there's so much more. Let's move on. So how do we do this? We need to remember what God is capable of. Let's walk down memory lane for a minute, shall we? To creation. (laughs) The same God that spoke everything we see into existence. The one who said, let there be light, and light was created without a sun. He didn't create the sun until a couple days later. It was just light. He was the cause of light. Right? And how many thousands of years ago did he say, let there be light? And that one word was enough to sustain light forever. It's enough to sustain Everything that he's spoken to exists forever. He doesn't get up every day and say, oh, I better speak that again or it's not going to keep working. One word was powerful enough to sustain it forever. That's who we are talking to, right? 
the Red Sea. His people were stuck under a heathen government in slavery. You think you have it bad? We don't have it bad. We're still free. We can still meet here on Sunday mornings and enjoy the corporate presence of God. And we can still have a Bible in our houses. And we can talk about Jesus whenever and wherever we want to. Oh, but separation of church and state. God does not look at the sign on the door that says, no God allowed and stay out. Do you think he's going to listen to some rule that man made or the prayers of his saints? Everyone's like, oh, we got to get God back in the schools. God goes to school every day in my kids. God is in the schools. He never left. The only way that he can't get in there is someone's not open their, their mouth in prayer. Right? God is not limited to man-made rules. He supersedes them. Oh, don't bring God in the courtroom. Yes, put God in that courtroom. (laughs) Put him in there with your prayer. He is not limited by walls and ceilings. He's only limited if we don't pray and release his power in this earth. Jericho, he can do things that we never even think. How many of you would have had that battle plan? (laughs) Would your son-in-law have thought, ooh, let's march around the city six days not saying a word, and on the seventh day, let's do it seven days, and then let's blow the trumpet, and we'll defeat that army. (laughs) But God doesn't need our swords. He doesn't need any of that. How many times have you have we read in Kings and in Chronicles where they talk about the the victories and it said the Lord God caused confusion to come into the enemy's camp and they fought each other and killed each other. <laughs> we serve a big God. Wasn't Elijah or Elisha who would hear from God what the king of the opposition was saying and go tell his king so that they could defeat them before they even got to the battle? How big is our God? He made the donkey talk. You ever seen that? You ever made that happen? But our God can do it. But somehow we've limited all these acts to the Old Testament. We've limited what he can do just in the Bible days. But my Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only thing that is different is when we are not releasing the power of God in this earth. He needs his church to pray. He needs his church to pray. Are you with me? How big is God? Oh, but that debt. We are trillions of dollars in debt. Didn't you know that? I know our nation has issues. Our nation has some issues. Okay, let's acknowledge that. (laughs) I told my daughter one time, I said, you have issues, girl. She goes, I like my issues. (laughs) (laughs) Our nation has some issues, but are our issues bigger than our God? Are we acting like our issues are bigger than our God? The debt, the debt, the debt. Yeah? He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, in the, the widow's oil, she was in debt, debt, debt. Ooh, she was in debt. That big bad word. And God said, go borrow some vessels 
not a few. And he caused her oil to flow and to flow and to flow, and it got her out of debt, and it had enough to live on. God's a big God. They needed to pay the temple tax, Jesus and Peter. Jesus said, why don't you go catch a fish? (laughs) Inside the mouth of the fish will be a coin. Go pay our taxes. I'm going fishing tomorrow. No. (laughs) But God can do things that our minds have not even comprehended. But we limit his ability and what he can do to what we understand. Let's get out of this box. He's, God is bigger than the nation, their issues in this nation. We just need to ask him to move. Who has God used? Isaiah 44, 28 says, When I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. He will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem, and he will stay, restore the temple. Cyrus. Who was Cyrus? A heathen king. But God turns the heart of the king whichever way he wants it to go. Right? When did this happen? When Daniel saw in the word that 70 years was what that captivity was supposed to be and he set his face to pray. Cyrus didn't release them until after Daniel had prayed. We need to open our mouths. God can use a heathen king when we open our mouths. Amen? Are you with me? He used Artaxerxes in the book of Esther to stop the wrath of all of Israel being wiped out. A heathen king. He used Daniel and the three Hebrew children. He used Ezra. He used Nehemiah. These were all people in captivity under Babylon in high-ranking positions in the government. Nehemiah had the ear of the king, and when it was time to rebuild the walls, he prayed, God, help me. I I know I need to do this. I know I need to help me talk to the king. And God opened a door for him to talk to the king and get sent home to rebuild the wall. Are we praying for God to infiltrate the government with people that know who he is and what he can do? We need to be praying for these things. We have an election coming up next year, right? We need to be praying into this now. So many people wait until, oh, there's a debate on who, oh, no. We need to be praying into this now. Who can God use? We cannot pray from fear. We cannot pray from fear. We need to pray from a position of hope and victory and authority that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. Anybody joked in the last year or two about getting your passport? maybe leaving the nation. I have. Like, oh, we got to get the kids' passports. If something happens and it goes south, we need to get out of here fast. It was just a fleeting thought. I would like to get their passports and go on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, though. But (laughs) 
But you know what the Bible calls the church? Light and salt. Light, the revelation of who he is and what he can do, and salt. And a lot of us look at salt as something that makes someone thirsty. But in Bible days, salt was something that was, it was a preservative. Salt preserved the food. They didn't have lovely plug-in refrigerators like we do now, or freezers. Deep, I have two refrigerators and a deep freeze. I got a big family. <laughs> we eat a lot of food. <laughs> they didn't have those back then. Salt preserved the food. So if the church is the light and the church is the salt, are we preserving this nation? Are we condemning this nation? Whose side are we on? The advocate or the accuser? Are our words preserving the nation? Or are our words condemning the nation? We need to be on the preserving side. Are we all in agreement with that? God didn't just even destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until the salt was taken out. Until the righteous were taken out. Are the righteous doing the righteous job? Are we being light? Are we being salt? Part of the way we do that is prayer. Releasing his power. Amen. I'm going to close with Ezekiel. We're getting to the can these bones live. 37, 1 through 10. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. How many of you know the natural answer was no? <laughs> the natural answer to can this skeleton become a living person again is no. But I love that Ezekiel didn't say no. And it doesn't say how long he thought about it either. I mean, we read this all the way through. Sometimes in conversations, you have to pause and think. Mm, can these bones live? Mm. Never saw that before. That, there's no scripture for that. <laughs> He's never done that yet. Can these bones live? I love his answer. Uh, you alone know. I, I'm not committing. My guess is no, but I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, yeah, you're smart enough to know, so you know. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, things were, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies. 
but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Nothing happened until Ezekiel spoke. Nothing happened until Ezekiel spoke. Do you see that? Speak to these bones and tell them that. Speak to these bones and tell them that. And if you're watching the news and don't like what you're seeing, speak to it. The news doesn't get to dictate our future. There's only one who knows my future, and it's God. And even if everything did crumble and the the stock market crashed tomorrow, if he was able to bring manna to his people in the Old Testament, do you think he's any less capable of taking care of his church? No. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not want his church to live in fear. That's the plan of the enemy. So if we're living in fear, you are in total agreement with the enemy. No, we need to agree with him. Can these bones live? Can this nation live? Yes. The end game, though, in 1 Timothy 2, was so that all men could come to the knowledge of the truth. That's our end game. We need to keep the end game in mind. Right? I like verse 11. It's not up there, so just listen. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Have you heard that from anybody? When that Supreme Court decision came down, everyone thought, Jesus is coming tomorrow. God's not afraid of that. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Say, God's got a plan. God's bigger than the Supreme Court. God's got a plan. <laughs> but his people were saying, we're old. We're done. This nation is over. We have no hope. And who are his people today? So we need to make sure that what's coming out of here is what's in agreement with his word, with this. And if you don't know what he has to say about what you're watching on the news, open it up. What has he said? He said there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Young men are going to see visions and old men are going to dream dreams. The whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. He said, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, and I will give flashes of lightning and thunder, grass, fruit, harvest to every man. The end game. What does the word say? There's more prophecies in the Bible about the second coming of the Lord than there ever were about the first coming. If you can't think of anything else to say, just say, come Lord Jesus. 
<laughs> Send the rain. Because my Bible says that darkness might, might be poking its ugly head out, but the light will always prevail. Always prevail. Are you, are you with me today? We need a revival. <laughs> oh, God. Send your revival. If you can't think of anything else to pray when you're watching the news and you see something that scares you, say, send revival. Send revival to them right now in Jesus' name. And guess what? Every time you pray, it releases the power of God in the earth. And that's going to make an impact. Amen. <clears throat> Are you ready to pray? Are you going to pray? Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to minister your heart this morning. I pray that as we go forth from here, we're not just stirred with emotion, but we're stirred with faith and hope and grace and the word of God, that as we go forth from here, it's not just going to last a day or two days, but a year from now, you'll find us stirred up praying for this nation, praying for revival and seeing the fruit of our prayers with signs and wonders and miracles and outpourings of the presence of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I just want to take a quick minute and see if there's anyone with us that uh, doesn't know Jesus. We have talked a lot about God and the Word, and we worshiped sweet Jesus this morning. But if you have never come into relationship with Him, you've never met Him or come in contact with Him, could you raise your hand? And this is every eye up open every head up if you want jesus you want jesus and you're not afraid who knows it amen anybody anybody need the, to come meet my sweet jesus this morning don't you just love him he's so good he's so good well why don't you go ahead and stand and we will bless We just love you. I hope you know how much you're loved. Father, I pray that you would bless them with an outpouring of your love this week. Saturate their hearts and minds and bodies and soul with the might and power and strength and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Let them know you more intimately and love you more passionately this week than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <laughs>